You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series which explores the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayechi, and for the Half Torah, we actually return to Nevi'im Rishonim, and more particularly, we return to Sefer Malachim Aleph. The last time we saw Sefer Malachim Aleph, it was the Half Torah for Parsha's Chaye Sarah, where we were at the end of the life of David HaMelech and his reign as the Melech Yisrael, the king of the Bnei Yisrael, and we were taking a look at the question of who his successor would be, and we know that although it was presumed at first that it was going to be Shlomo HaMelech Adoniah who called that into question as he wanted to pursue the throne himself, and we know the intervention had to be done to make sure that David HaMelech understood what was going on and so that he could assure and affirm that indeed Shlomo HaMelech would be taking the throne. So this Haftarah actually picks up in the very next parak. So Sefer Malachim Aleph, Parak Aleph was the Haftarah for Parshas Chayi and back during the week of Chayi we explained the connections between the stories of Chayi and that Haftarah. And now we look at the connections between the very next chapter of that story and this week's parsha, Parsha Svaichi. And what's interesting to note is that both Chaye Sarah and Vaichi as Parshios, they share a Shoresh. Chaye Sarah talks about the life of Sarah. Vaichi Yaakov talks about the life of Yaakov. And what you notice for both of these Parshios is that the Parsha begins describing life, or at least uses the word life in the title, and we know that the Parsha will end up discussing the death of an individual. So we know that Chayesara begins really with the death of Sarah, and Vayechi is really the beginning of the end of the life of Yaakov Avinu, and even though Chazal tells us Yaakov Avinu lo meis, um, you look at the reading of the Pesukim, certainly in the Pashib shots, um, we are looking at the end of Yaakov Avinu's life when for all intents and purposes, or at least certain intents and purposes, Yaakov Avinu will be leaving the scene and expiring, and some might say be passing away. So we're looking at the end of the life of Yaakov Avinu, and that's significant. Um, what, what, what is interesting is noting that and the connection that we already find to the Haftarah of Chaye Sarah and the Haftarah of Ayechi, which once again are both from Malachim Aleph, looking at the life of David HaMelech, and really the end of the life of David HaMelech, both of them are zeroing in on, in fact, David HaMelech. And what we are also going to have to notice is that there are different aspects to the end of David HaMelech's life that need our attention. So in Chayesara, we spoke about what kind of attention was needed um, when it came to um, fulfilling and filling the role that was left void in the passing of Sarah Imenu and how that would be fitted into by the next generation. And we saw how that was connected to the story of Adon Yahu and Shlomo HaMelech. And now we're going to have to look at a different aspect of what happens at the end of a very important person's life. But what we, will, what we have already touched on is the surface connection, that of course we 
begin Parshas Vayechi looking at the end of Yaakov's life, and of course Yaakov was a very important leader of the Bnei Israel, um, at least the, the forebearer, the progenitor of the Bnei Israel. All of the Bnei Israel are in fact his children, he is Yisrael, and David HaMelech was the Melech B'Yisrael, David Melech Yisrael, Chayavikayim. So of course all of that is very significant, and the, the, the connection is pretty immediately there. The question is why this particular story um, is the Haftarah, why this Perak Beis is the Haftarah for Parshas Vayechi, as opposed to the first Perak, um, which was the Haftarah for Chayesara. So what exactly about this part of David HaMalek's life are we trying to pull out and somehow project the themes of Parshas Vayechi? How is that happening in this Perak? And that's really what we have to tackle. And before we get into that, I just want to dedicate this sheer and uh, let's take a look at what we can find here. So, again, we have already mentioned that with this Haftarah of Arshaz we're looking once again at Malacham Aleph. It's Parag Beis, the Haftarah goes from Pasuk Aleph all the way to Pasuk Yud Beis, which is 1 to 12, it's the 12th Pasuk Haftarah. And David HaMelech is on his way out of the scene, and of course, as we have mentioned, Shlomo HaMelech is on the rise. And... Once again, the obvious connection between this Haftarah selection and the Sidra is that in each of them, the spiritual leader of the time is delivering his final words to his offspring before he passes on. So, for example, just as Yaakov Avinu delivered the Birchas Yaakov, or the Birchas Yaakov, the blessing of Yaakov to his 12 sons, who would each become the Shifte Israel, the Shifte Ka, so Devon HaMelech delivers his final instructions and advice to his son Shlomo, HaMelech, who would succeed him as the Melech Yisrael. So it's an easy selection for those reasons alone. But I want to argue that it's not just the imagery of a royal elderly father speaking to his offspring for the last time that really connects the two readings. So if we give David HaMelech's speech a closer look, so I think we'll be able to notice further parallels between David's speech and the Birkas Yaakov in the way David addresses each of these individuals when speaking to Shlomo. Which individuals does David HaMelech describe? So if you look closely, he, he highlights three particular people. So first, the way David HaMelech describes Yoav ben Suriah and his murder of Avner and Amasa as an act of war during peacetimes. It's an act of melchama during a time of, of shalom. And this point that David highlights about Yoav's murder of Avner and Amasa seems to resemble Yaakov Avinu's rebuke of Shimon and Levi, who massacred an unsuspecting city. For better or for worse, is a separate debate that um, um, ink has been spilled on in Bereshis, um, in Bereshis Perak Memtes in the Berchas Yaakov, where it's discussed, or back in Parshas Vayishlach, when Shimon and Levi actually um, destroyed Shechem, and of course, you know, there, there, there's reason and evidence to back Shimon and Levi's actions, but of course, there were certain um, certain objections that Yaakov had, at least to their tactics, to the methodology for how Shimon and Levi ended up destroying um, Shechem, and. One of the main aspects that Yaakov takes issue with in Parshas Vayishlach, at least, is the fact that Shimon and Levi, they, they engage in an action that made him look bad, 
And we might say that the action that made them look bad was that the people thought that Shimon and Levi were coming in peace, and of course they came for war. Again, an act of war during peacetime. So there is at least one parallel, whatever your attitude about the action of Shimon and Levi is, but you have that one parallel. And I would say similarly that the way David not only expresses his hakaras atov, his gratitude, to the Bnei Barzilai Hagiladi, this is the second party that he addresses when talking to Shlomo Melch. He first talks about Yoav, then he talks about, again, the Bnei Barzilai Hagiladi. And what did these people do? They accompanied him during his flight from Avshalom. They supported him all the way. But not only does David HaMelech express that gratitude, but he grants them the privilege of eating at the Shulchan Malachim at the royal table. And I would argue that this particular point seems to resemble Yaakov's acknowledgement of Yehuda when he declares him eternal kingship. Right? So on the one hand, we have Barzillai, Hagiladi, the Bnei Barzillai. They are going to be part of the Shulchan Malachim, and of course, the scepter is not going to leave the hand of Yehuda. So we have, so far, a couple of parallels between, again, the Birchas Yaakov and the way David HaMelech is describing these individuals, the Shlomo HaMelech, and how he wants these historical points and his response to be noted by his son. So I want to suggest one more parallel, that if you look at how David HaMelech denounces Shimi ben Geira, who viciously disgraced him, and this was when David HaMelech was also in flight, and Shimi ben Geira had trash-talked to David HaMelech. And I would say that this perhaps in some ways parallels Yaakov's chastisement of Reuven, who disgraced his father's bed, as the Torah describes in the Berachas Yaakov as well. So you have, again, these individuals, some individuals that require this sort of admission, this acknowledgement that, wow, you've done well. And then we have other individuals um, that not so much. Some of them have personally... um, have personally created an offense or an infraction. They've committed an infraction against the spiritual leader, whether it was David Amalek or against Yaakov. Some of them just have broadly engaged in what you might argue as inappropriate tactics. So, again, looking at Ruvain, who has personally involved himself in Yaakov's life in a negative way, and Shimon and Levi, who you might argue politically did something that seemed inappropriate, um, which also involved bloodshed. So, yes, we have some interesting connections in the basic themes of the text, but the question is if that is all there is. And I've hopefully at this point compelled you just a little bit to, to notice those, those thematic connections, and I think they're all important, um, and they, they definitely help, and they definitely enable us to enjoy the Haftarah as some kind of complement, as some kind of reflection of the Parsha. But what really is all of this about? So, is David's final address to Shlomo merely connected to Vayechi as it picks another dying leader's words to his offspring? At first glance, that seems to be the crux of it. However, if we consider all of the content of David HaMelech's speech, we might notice an even deeper theme that the Haftarah highlights from our Sidra beyond the imagery of that dying father addressing his progeny. What I think is interesting to know, which I, I pointed out in passing earlier, is that the entire Haftarah is 12 verses long. And 
it's just cool considering that there are 12 sons whom Yaakov Avinu is addressing in Vayechi, obviously the Shift Ka. But unlike Yaakov, who addressed 12 sons, one glaring difference um, is that here, David HaMelech is directly addressing just one son, Shlomo HaMelech. Right? Yaakov addresses his 12 sons. Each of them receives only a couple of verses of content. But in this single speech between David and Shlomo, we have uh, one individual being addressed by himself. And it shouldn't take nearly as long to give him the spiritual advice that he requires, um, you know, the advice that David needs to convey to him. Yet, David's speech to Shlomo HaMelech takes up nine of these 12 verses. So what we notice then is that the nature of the speech is different. We might even suggest that the reason why each of Yaakov's sons is only addressed with a couple of verses at most is that we know that Yaakov is speaking to them in this form of poetic encoded prophecy, which is often kept concise, while on the contrary, David is speaking to Shlomo directly with specific advice, no real imagery, um, and not only that, but he includes particular orders that he must carry out. He tells Shlomo HaMelech, here's how I want you to treat these three individuals, um, again, whether or three individual parties, whether we're talking about Yoav ben Surya, or talking about the Bnei Barzila HaGilandi, or I'm talking about Shimi ben Geira. So what that tells us is that, in fact, as similar in general theme as the two readings are, the nature of the speeches in each reading is fundamentally different. Yaakov describes the spiritual fate of his sons, while David gives practical instruction to his son, giving him what we might think of as more general advice, and then he even makes some orders. Another key difference is that, as we've referenced above, Five out of the nine verses of David's speech to Shlomo are not even about Shlomo because they're really devoted to David's subjects and he wants Shlomo to repay each of them. And these orders are not really the sum of David's general advice to Shlomo. They certainly have nothing to do with Shlomo personally. So why do we spend so much time in the Haftarah talking about these three parties? Again, we've already made the, the argument that they seem connected or at least relatable to three of the parties that Yaakov addressed in the beginning of the Birkos Yaakov between Ruvain, the Shimon Levi connection, and Yehuda. But is, you know, is, is, is that a compelling enough reason to spend so much time on these individuals? Or is there perhaps something, once again, deeper that is being reflected in, 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 in this choice of reading? So, once again, I want to argue that there is. And here's where we might find another key theme of the Sidra that's being highlighted in our Haftarah. Beyond the theme of a dying father addressing his offspring, Vayechi's theme, I want to argue, is the idea that's conveyed in Bereshis, Perek Memtes, Pasuk Chavches, that's in Vayechi 49-28, namely the idea of each man, according to his blessing, he blessed them. This is the summary of the Birchas Yaakov, right? That each man, according to his blessing, each of Yaakov's children, according to his particular blessing, Yaakov blessed them. What exactly does that mean? Let's think about it. David, like Yaakov with his sons, 
does not merely address Shlomo on a personal level, but as we've described, he instructs him regarding the fate of multiple subjects in the kingdom. Once again, Yoav the Bnei Barzilai and Shimi ben Gera. At first glance, these individuals themselves once again have little to do with the larger message that David has for Shlomo, which is, as David says it, he says, You shall guard the guard, or the charge of Hashem your God, to walk in his in his path, so, um, and so on and so forth. In order for you to understand all that you do. But what David accomplishes by enumerating the respective acts of his subjects is that I believe he teaches Shlomo how to properly assess the individual actions of each one of those subjects to treat each and every one accordingly, as it were, each one according to his individual merits and needs. Thus, David takes three isolated parties, each who played some role in his kingdom, and he prescribes very different treatments for each one. He says, For Yoav, who spilled blood in peacetime, David tells Shlomo not to allow his hoary head to go down to the grave in peace as he says in Pasuk Vav over there. And mind you, Yoav had been one of David HaMelech's right-hand men who always acted with David's interests in mind. And yet David tells Shlomo to look at Yoav as an individual and to judge him accordingly. No differently, David looks at the Bnei Barzillai and teaches Shlomo to acknowledge not only the guilt of one subject, but the appropriate praise and honor to a different subject where it's necessary. And even further, when David reaches the fate of Shimi ben Gera, he teaches that no two crimes are alike. For while Yoav had acted incorrectly, albeit for good reasons, Shimi ben Gera's brazen rebellion against the throne could not be ignored. And as such, he was left on a, a harsh probation, so that any further misstep would mean that his hoary head, as David Amalek says in Pasuk Tess, would go down to the grave in blood. You notice that regarding Yoav, he says his head should not go to the grave in peace. But when describing Shimi ben Gera, he says indeed his head should go to the grave in blood. Looked at in this light, I want to say that the Haftar is not merely a reflection of dying father advising son, but it's an education process for rising leaders to learn how to objectively assess and address each of his subordinates accordingly, realizing that no individuals are the same and that each one requires individualized treatment, different actions and measures, some in the forms of encouragement, maybe others in the form of admonishment. And the trick is to address each one without looking at the other, because what one says to one is not, merely, is not immediately relevant to the other individual. And I think that's what David is teaching Shlomo. He doesn't just address him, but he teaches him how to address others. He teaches them the lesson of the Berchas Yaakov. Again, you'll notice that Yaakov says very different words to his very different children, from Reuven, Shimon Levi, Yehuda, and on to the rest of them. All of them are brothers, but he refers to Shimon and Levi as brothers, especially because apparently there is something particularly about their relationship that requires some, some form of instruction and something that they have to realize relating to them in their relationship as brothers, that maybe their brotherly connection has harmed them and not helped them, which is why Yaakov says, I'm going to separate you guys, something he doesn't necessarily say to the other brothers. No one else is described that way. Ruvain is described in light of the fact that he is the Bukhar. He was supposed to be first, 
and he didn't live up to what to what to his role of being first, and so on and so forth for every single other one of Yaakov's children, to uh, not only Reuven Shimon Levi Yehuda, but to Don Naftali Gadashi Zacher Zvulin Yosef and Binyamin as well. Each one has particular words designed for each one, and this is uh, you know it's a lesson in leadership. It's a, it's a lesson in chinuch. If someone if someone's a rebbe or a lesson in in chinuch for a parent, where you have either students or your own children, or if you're a rav and you have a kahila of people, or any leadership role that a person they find themselves in, and in some way we are, we are all leaders, we, we, uh, we relate to people, just in the way we relate to people, recognizing that every single person has different needs, and each person has to be treated not the same. We, you know, we, we think everyone has to be equal. In a certain sense, yes, that's true, but there are also individualized needs that, are, that, that people need. So with that in mind, I think it's a, this lesson of ish kabir chaso, that's, that's the idea. Whether we're playing the roles fathers to sons, kings to subjects, teachers to students, or leader to follower, this lesson is the crucial takeaway, I believe, of the Bir Yaakov and what I believe is being highlighted in the Haftarah. That as Yaakov addressed his sons, and as David HaMelech taught Shlomo with his subjects, we have to properly assess the given people in our lives, each kiver each one according to his individualized blessing or otherwise. So Shabbi Zoha to the wisdom and insight that we need to properly assess and address each of the people in our lives so that we can successfully fulfill our role in helping each other grow. And each one of us should be blessed both in our individual lives and as a nation of Klai Israel to complete that geula, which was hidden from Yaakov's eyes, but was perhaps somewhat revealed to David HaMelech, at least to, enough to know that David Melech Israel that just as Yaakov never truly passes away, that David HaMelech as well never truly passes away, he is Chai V'Kayim. And we should see that that ultimate fulfillment of David Melech Israel Chai V'Kayim with the coming of Mashiach ben David ben Meir b'Yameinu, Chazak Chazak ben Ischazik. I want to wish you a wonderful Shabbos, and of course, if you enjoy this year and others like it on the podcast, you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group for frequent updates and links for every uploaded share, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Once again, have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for joining us here at The Database.